Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Amen. Hey, good morning, Canvas Church. So good to be with you today. Um, I want you to do something that, uh, man, we did last week um, that I thought was so fun. I want you to grab your phone right now, and here's what I want you to do. Uh, I want you to say hello to somebody. So, man, I believe right now the Holy Spirit is bringing somebody to your mind, to your heart. I want you to pick up your phone, and I want you to just text them, say, man, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. Man, it's good to be in church with you today. Uh, and just encourage them. And as a matter of fact, here's what I would love. Um, for those of you that have my number or my wife's number, I'd love you just to text us and say, hey, hello, good to see you. Man, church is great. Man, life is great. Let us know what's going on. Uh, in your world. We would just love a chance. Come on, right now, get it out. Take a moment, even as I'm talking, and uh, just say hello to somebody. There's something so powerful about that. Um, just that simple text, that simple hello, that simple, uh, I'm thinking about you. And uh, a lot of times you'll get a response back that says, man, here's what I'm going through. Uh, could you pray for me? And so, man, I know I've been encouraged this week uh, by many people. Also, last Sunday when we did this, I want to say thank you so much for all of you that uh, shot me a text message and said hello and said you're praying for me. I uh, appreciate every single one of you. Love what God's doing at Canvas Church. Um, man, absolutely love it. My wife already mentioned it. Man, water baptism's taking place, honestly, over the last month, almost every weekend. And uh, so I, I just want to echo what she said, and that is this. Man, if you've never been water baptized, you've never taken that next step in your faith journey, we have all the information you need to know on our website. There's a whole link about it, and you can read about it. And we'd love to connect with you. Uh, and get you water baptized. Uh, turn in your Bibles this morning, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, we are in a series entitled Clean Canvas, in which we are looking at uh, the book of Ephesians. And as we look at it together, what we're discovering is that, man, God has a plan, and he's made our life brand new. Man, a new way of thinking, a new way of believing, a new way of pursuing life, a new way of, of living together in harmony and unity and in faith. Man, it's such a cool study that we're in. As a matter of fact, I can't think of a better book of the Bible, um, although we're going to jump into one that's going to be pretty awesome, uh, but I can't think of a better book of the Bible than right now to be studying than the book of Ephesians uh, when you look at the culture that we're in right now. And last week, uh, man, if you missed it, you absolutely have to podcast it. My wife preached an amazing message that I know that will encourage you and strengthen you and, and maybe even challenge you a little bit. And so as we jump into chapter 3 today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the first 13 verses of chapter 3. Really, we're going to just hone in on, on, on verse 10 of, uh, of chapter 3, and we're going to talk about it today. And man, it's my prayer that it would bless you. Um, but before I read it, I want to I say this, that this is something I want you to know, that it is possible for the church, that's, that's you and I, for the church to walk in unity and in love in the midst of difficult and challenging times. Man, the, the, the people in this passage that were living in Ephesus, they were walking through some difficult and challenging stuff. Uh, but, but Paul would remind them, hey, that even in the midst of that, you can walk in unity and in love. If we understand the foundation of our faith, which my wife once again just tackled last week, the foundation of our faith, Christ being the, the cornerstone, just a phenomenal message. If we understand the foundation of our faith and where the battles we face are taking place. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that next part. Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, and it, and it reads... 
when I think of all of this, all of what? What's, what's Paul saying here? He's saying, when I think of everything I just laid out for you, when, when I think about the hope that is found in Christ Jesus, and then chapter two, when I think about how Christ has reconciled uh, us to him, but then the latter part of chapter two, also how Christ has reconciled us to one another, Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, when I think of all of this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, now he begins to lay out a little bit about some, some understanding here, assuming, by the way, that you know God, gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. It's interesting that the Bible uh, throughout it talks about there's two mysteries that run throughout the earth. One is the mystery of godliness, which Paul is referencing here, that there's this mystery of godliness. The other one is the mystery of iniquity. And there's these two rivers, these two streams, if you will, that run together on the earth. And Paul is talking about this mystery of, of, of godliness. This mysterious plan. As you read what I've written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And last week we, we briefly touched on that too, the apostles and the prophets. Verse 6 and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe in the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are a part of the same body. Both enjoy the same promise of blessing because they belong to Christ Jesus. What is Paul saying here? Man, you've got to understand this to its fullest. Paul is saying there is no more Jew. There is no more Gentile. There, that, that's not your nation anymore. That's not your people anymore. I, God, through my son Christ, have brought you together and made a brand new people group, a brand new nation. And it's not an earthly thing. It's a spiritual thing. We're God's children, we're God's people. And so together now, because we belong to Christ Jesus, man, we can share in these promises together. By God's grace and mighty power, I've been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, and if you understand the, the perception of, or the, the, the way Paul's talking about himself here, he's talking through com complete humility, saying, I know who I am, I know what I've done, and I don't deserve to be this messenger, but Christ is allowing me to be this messenger. And he's serving by, by spreading the good no news, even though he's the least of these. He graciously gave me the, the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan. There's the, the mystery of godliness again. This mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Verse 10, I want you to hone in here. This is what we're really gonna go after today. God's purpose in all, all this and all of what? Everything that has just been laid out. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church. What's well, the church? That's you, that's me. To use the church. 
to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Did you hear that? I want to read it again. God's purpose in all that's taking place and all the work that he's doing is to use the church, those that have been called out and called together, the ecclesia, the church, is for them to display his wisdom and, yes, his glory in its rich variety to who? To all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. We need to know where the battle is taking place. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Come on, because of the work of Jesus. Come on, we don't have to go through a pastor. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go through a worship department or a children's department. Or No, here's how we get there. We come boldly and freely and confidently right now, wherever we're at, man, to God's throne of mercy and grace because of the work of Jesus Christ. So we come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart. Because of my trials here, I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. Verse 10, God's purpose in all of this is to use the church to display his wisdom and even his glory. Come on, in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. I want to speak to you the next few moments on It's Spiritual. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is living and active, and man, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. God, your word declares that itself comes and divides between the soul and the spirit. It's a discerner of the very thoughts and intentions of our heart and our mind. So God, I pray that word would come today and minister to everyone that's listening in. God, and it would touch us, the very core of who we are. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that Lord, you would help me create an environment for people to discover your son Jesus, know your love, and realize the amazing plan that you have for their life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. There was a, there was a city guy that left the city and moved into, into the country. Is there anybody, man, that you're a city person? You know, like you're, wherever you're living, it's just like there's homes everywhere. It might not be downtown, but man, you're just in the city, right? I know me and my family, we lived in actually downtown San Diego for almost five years in an 18-story high rise. And man, we loved every bit of it. Man, just the city life, eating out at restaurants, all that stuff. But uh, through time, uh, man, we, we gradually migrated out of downtown and now we live, come on, in the wonderful city of Escondido. Come on, this beautiful valley that we absolutely love. Man, we love the people. We love the culture. We love, man, we love everything about it. And uh, here we are now, we're on like a three-quarter acre lot. And so it's a lot of land. We moved from the city, man, to all this land. Well, there was this guy that moved out of the city, got tired of the city, and he wanted to move into the country. And so he moves into the country and he gets there and he's got to fix this place up and there are trees everywhere. Uh, clearly this probably isn't San Diego, but there are trees everywhere. 
and, uh, and he wants to clean things up. And he's like, well, I need to go buy a chainsaw. And so he heads to the local hardware store to buy a chainsaw. And he walks in and walks to the counter, tells the guy at the counter, says, hey, I need to buy a chainsaw. And I want something that can cut a lot of trees fast. And, and so the, the guy working the counter says, oh, come on over here. I'll show you what we have. And he goes down the line and he shows them all these chainsaws. And he brings them to this one. He says, hey, this one right here, this is the top of the line. Man, it'll, it'll, it'll cut down and cut up six trees in an hour. And the city dude's like, sign me up. That's my chainsaw. And so he buys the chainsaw and he walks out. And next day, guy's working the counter at the hardware store. And all of a sudden he sees the city guy coming in with his chainsaw and he's frustrated. And he comes in and he just throws the chainsaw down on the counter. And he said, this thing's worthless. I, I literally cut one tree and it took me all day long. The guy at the counter, he's just like super confused. He's like, What? What do, you, what do you mean one, one tree? He goes, here, let me, let me see the chainsaw. So the guy working the counter, he brings over the, the chainsaw, and, and all of a sudden, boom, he starts it up, and he's like, wham, 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 wham. and all of a sudden, the city guy jumps back, and he's like, what is that sound? You get it? He, did, he didn't realize that he had to turn the, the chainsaw on. He's like, can you just see him with the chainsaw at home? Trying to, trying, to cut this, trying to cut this tree down. He didn't realize that there was power in the chainsaw. He didn't realize that, oh, all I had to do was, was actually know how the thing operated and know how the thing worked. And, man, I could have actually cut down six trees. He was unaware of the potential that rested inside of the chainsaw. And so he was working with all of his strength and all of his effort, and he's just... Paul, in Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 10, draws attention to the fact that the church is not battling in the flesh, that the church is not warring in the natural, that the church is not existing to make known to the world the manifold wisdom and glory and riches, and it's not there to display to the world. No, it's to display there to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. The church is to fight the battle there, not on the earthly, not, not in the natural. See, ladies and gentlemen, I believe with all my heart that, that people don't understand the power that rests in the church of Jesus Christ. They don't understand the battle that they are in is not a natural one. It's not an earthly one. It's not a fleshly one. They, they, they don't understand that. And so what happens is, is people in the church, God's people, they are literally in this moment, in this culture that we're living in right now. They're doing battle in the flesh. They're, they're going after things with natural tools and natural means. And we've got to deal with this social injustice. And we've got to deal with, with this political issue. And we've got to defund this. And we've got to do that or whatever it is. And they're I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about people in the church. But yet the church, listen to what Paul says in verse 10. The church exists. The plan of the church was to be used by God to display his wisdom and, yes, even his glory in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. 
I can't think of a greater message and perspective for right now today. Because listen to me, it is a spiritual thing before it is a natural thing. And the church is called to deal with things at a higher level than just what we see, what we feel, what we sense, what we understand. The church is called to its understanding that, listen, we are doing battle in the heavenlies. We're doing battle in the heavenlies. It is not a natural thing. It is a spiritual thing. And the minute we begin to understand that is the minute we begin to understand that the church is powerful. The church, just like that guy with the chainsaw, unaware of the potential it possessed. I believe there's so many of us that are unaware of the potential that rests in the church. Paul saw it and he wanted the church at Ephesus to understand it. What is God doing on the earth today through his church? Here's what he's doing. He's using the church as a model. This is the model. Church, you're supposed to be the model. Using the church to be a model. A model of what? A model that displays his wisdom and his glory. I have a question, what, 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 what is being seen in the church today? Is it wisdom? Is it his glory? Because Paul writes and says this is the plan. To do what? To be a model to display his glory. To who? The spiritual principalities and powers in heavenly places. Why to them? Because the church is called to judge what's taking place in the spirit realm. Every time that we understand this and we fulfill the calling of the church, spiritual principalities and powers are being judged. And God is saying, look at my church. Look at my church. That's the way it's supposed to look. That's the way it's supposed to be. Christ being the foundation. My wife and I, uh, I've shared this with you before, but my wife and I had the privilege of, uh, of building a home. And so much work went into that foundation. My wife talked about it last week, even as now, that so much work went into this foundation. But no one today really even looks at the foundation. You know what they look at? They look at the walls, the structure, the windows, that which rests upon the foundation. Paul is saying, look, Christ is the foundation. Apostles, prophets, Christ being the chief cornerstone, it's the foundation. But what the principalities and powers are looking in at is what's being built up upon the foundation. And the question is, is what is it displaying? Because it's supposed to display his, his beautiful wisdom and glory. What Christ is doing in the church, he's talking about how he wants us to handle things and how we're walking through life. How do we tackle things? We tackle it at a spiritual level. But what's happening? What's happening today? Well, if I could go back to that story, I believe what's happening today is, is we're forgetting. And, and we're like the dude that went and got the chainsaw and we're just, and we're just grinding it out. We're doing a, an earthly thing. 
Listen, I want you to hear me. I'm not talking about what's taking place in the world. I'm talking about what's taking place in the church. That's what Paul is addressing. He's addressing the church. He's addressing the people of God. And right now, I wonder what God sees when he looks at his church. Is he seeing the glory, the wisdom, and its rich variety being displayed? Or is he seeing bickering? Why? Because we're failing to go after the spiritual realm and we're walking things out in the natural realm. And everything's sized up and everything's here and everything, some people are on this side of the fence and some people are on that side of the fence and some people have this view and some people have that view. And, and why? Because we're going after things in the natural when we're supposed to deal with things in the spiritual. That's what the church is called to do. That's what sets the church apart. That's what's really behind everything that's taking place in our culture. Man, it, there's, there's a spiritual dynamic behind it. There's a spiritual battle weighing in on our world, weighing in on our nation, weighing in on our culture, our cities, our neighborhoods, our families, our workplaces. And what's causing them, there's, there's dysfunction and there's discord and there's disunity and there's confusion and there's these things happening, but yet the church should understand, no, we're different. But we're no different unless we begin to go after it in the spirit realm. Unless we begin to deal with things on a spiritual level. Ephesians 6.12, which we'll get to later in our study, but Ephesians 6.12 says this, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. People are not our enemies. That's not where we're to do battle. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Listen, I know this sounds a little bit like Stranger Things. But do you hear what, what, what he's talking? He's saying, look, I've called you out. I've created you as a new people. You are different than all everyone else. It's no longer Jew and Gentile. No, you're one nation. You're one people. And I've empowered you as the church to do warfare in the spirit. So why are you looking like the rest of the world doing battle in the flesh? Why, why, why are we doing that? No, we're not fighting flesh and blood. He's called us to a different place. Listen, you can't, you can't tackle, you can't tackle spiritual things with natural means. Can't tackle a spiritual warfare, a spiritual dynamic with natural things. Man, we, we can't lobby enough, we can't petition enough, we can't protest enough, we can't, we can't social media enough, we can't know that. Those are all natural things, and listen to me. Do I think those things can be used from a good place uh, with the church? Yes, but only if we understand that the battle first is in the spiritual realm. It's in the spiritual realm. And we need to understand that we've been equipped with spiritual Tools, supernatural tools. What, what are some of those? This is going to blow your mind. Why is it going to blow your mind? Pastor, is it super deep? No. But it's, it's super practical. 
What are some of those spiritual things? Number one, prayer. Prayer. Why is prayer so, so powerful? Prayer is so powerful because it is the ultimate act of humility. Because in my prayer, what I am saying is I am saying I am not sufficient enough. I am not good enough. I do not have enough wisdom. I do not have enough strength. God, I need you. That's a prayer. Prayer is, is literally, when I pray, I'm acknowledging the fact that I am, I am literally the finite, and I'm acknowledging that, God, you are not, and that you hold everything in your hand, and so I need you to make it through this day. God, I need you in my life in order to make the decisions I need to make, in order to be the parent I need to be, in order to be the husband I need to be, in order to be the pastor I need to be, in order to be the leader I need to be. God, I can't do it. Listen to me. The day I don't pray is the day I set myself up for failure because it's the day I begin to walk in pride. Prayer is the ultimate act of humility because it confesses my dependence on someone greater, and that is him. And if I can go there daily, supernatural tool, then it's easier for me to walk in humility with other people on earth. See, the only reason we struggle with walking in humility is because we haven't gone to a place of prayer and confessed our dependency upon him. Humility comes through prayer. Prayer, it's one of the greatest supernatural. Could you imagine what the world would look like if we began to do our spiritual battle in prayer? If we began to do that, we would walk in humility towards one another at a greater level. If everyone went to that plan. Now listen to me, I'm not just, again, I'm talking to the church. Man, conflict resolution, easy. Difficult challenges, easy. Why? Because, man, we're walking in prayer, which means we're walking in humility. Let me give you another one. Uh, worship. Worship. Why is worship so, so good and so powerful? Because worship is the ultimate act of gratitude. Where prayer is the ultimate act of humility, worship is the ultimate act of gratitude. When we come and we worship God, he, he becomes the object, absolute, and only object of our affection and our attention. We are, we are looking to him saying, God, you're amazing. God, you're wonderful. Man, everything I have in my life is because of you. And man, I just want you to know, God, I am so grateful. Man, I just, it's worship. And it's not just a moment. Man, it's a lifestyle. It's not just a couple of songs before the pastor comes up to preach. It's not, it's not the, the, you know, the, the thing you click on in, 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 you know, in your iTunes. No, worship is a lifestyle. Worship, man, lives in such a way that, that God, everything I do brings attention back to you because I understand that you are the author and finisher of my life, the author and finisher of my faith, the author. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. Man, that's, that's what is that? That is the ultimate act of gratitude. And if we can deal with it there, in the spiritual realm, then guess what? We can walk with gratitude and gratefulness on earth with one another. But first we gotta deal with it here. 
When you become grateful, when you worship and you become grateful and you realize that everything you have comes from him, now walking out gratitude with one another is so easy. Being grateful for one another, the people that God has placed around you, the people that are in your life, the, the, the church that he has so divinely and, 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 and instinctively and, and, and man, just so precisely put together. Putting person and peace and saying in place that we can appreciate the uniqueness of one another and be grateful for those that he's placed in our life and placed placed around us. When we understand and we worship him and being grat- grateful and, and sharing gratitude with one another becomes so much easier. I read this <clears throat> this week. I'm going to read it to you. It says, life is a series of problem-solving exercises. Isn't that a great way to look at it? Life is a series of problem-solving exercises. We will never be without problems in this life. If in the midst of all of the challenges you cannot learn to thrive in the situation in which you find yourself, you will never find contentment. You'll never find it. As we navigate all of the things that are here, now we've got to learn to thrive. And the way we learn to thrive, I believe, is by making sure our worship is here. The ultimate act of gratitude and then as we problem solve these things, man, we can thrive in the midst of it because, because we're grateful. Because we're grateful. I, I believe that that's what the writer meant in, in the scriptures when he said, count it all joy when you find yourself in various trials. How could he say that? I'll tell you how he could say that because he had a proper worship experience going on. Next, I... Big tool here for doing battle in the spiritual realm is the Bible. The Bible. Making the Bible, man, the the number one source of feeding your spirit and feeding your soul. This is the ultimate act of trust. It's the ultimate act of trust. When all of a sudden I take the scriptures and say, this is my worldview. This is where I'm going to draw all of, all of my, my ideas, all of my thoughts. Man, the way I'm going to raise my family, the way I'm going to treat others. Man, the way I'm going to love my wife. Man, the way I'm going to lead the church. Man, the way I'm going to do business dealings and business interactions, all those things. The moment I say that, what I'm saying is I believe that everything in the Bible is true. I believe that it's the inspired, infallible word of God, and I'm leaning into it. Listen, I'm not, I'm trusting in the Lord with all my heart. I'm not leaning into my own understanding. How do I do that? I do that by leaning into the word, into the Bible and saying, man, God, I'm believing this thing to be true, and I'm going to base my whole entire existence and life. I'm going to live life, and everything I experience in life is going to be through this filter. What am I saying? I trust this thing. I trust this. I trust this roadmap for my spiritual life to be completely accurate. Now, you ever, you ever had a map before? And I, I don't even mean an old school map, but maybe it's a, a, a digital map, right? Um, and it's misled you and misguided you. Maybe it's happened. But I've come to this place where, man, when I plug in a destination, 
I trust that the map is going to take me to take me there. See, when we say, man, I believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life, where do we get that? We get that from Scripture. What we're saying is, God, I'm trusting that this road map for my life is accurate and I'm going to follow it. Listen, we, we should expect the world to be living without power. We should expect the world to be, to be bickering with one another, fighting with one another. But when it comes to the church, man, the church is different. So much so that in John 13, 35, it says, and it's by this they will know that you're mine, by your love for one another, speaking in the church. They'll know, oh, they, they, must, be, they must be church people. Uh, they, they, must be, they must be Christians. How do you know that? Well, look at the way they're talking with one another. It's completely different. Look at the way they're interacting with one another. It's completely different. The Bible says you'll be known, you'll be known by that. The church is different. We're created, we're a new race. Listen to me, God is not looking for you to be culturally relevant as the church. He's looking for you to be powerful as the church. He's looking for you to display his wisdom and his glory to principalities and powers, meaning the battle is in the, in the spiritual realm. And if we understand that, then we can begin to bring change to our culture, change to our cities, change to all of the things that are, that are taking place around us. The problem is, is too often we give first place allegiance to second place causes. We, we don't give our first allegiance to, the, to, to what God is doing on the earth and saying, man, I understand it's a spiritual thing. In, instead, we give our allegiance to second place causes and we begin to do things on an earthly level and on a fleshly level. But God is saying, no, it's, it's spiritual and I want you to do the battle here. So as I close, I wanna just leave you with these questions this morning. The first one is this is what are you allowing to divide you within the church? Is it, is it spiritual or is it natural? What's dividing you? Let me just write that down, think about it this week. What's dividing you? Secondly, are you truly displaying God's glory and wisdom? Are you displaying that? When, when, when people look in at you as the church, are you displaying what Paul says to the church of Ephesus we ought to display? It's wisdom. Be used. Like, like, in other words, be useful to display his wisdom. All of its rich variety. Lastly, what conversations do you need to have to get back to being used by God, displaying his glory and judging the kingdom of darkness rather than fighting with one another? What conversations do you have? Who do you need to go to this week within your church community to say, man, will you forgive me? Man, will you, I, I thought this or I said that or I did this or I did that. Who do you need to go to this week? so that we can get back to the plan, the purpose of being used by God 
to display his wisdom and his glory. So I want you to do me a favor as you think about those. I want you to close your eyes. And I'm going to pray for you today, church. God has a great plan for this church. God has a great plan for his church. God has a great purpose and plan for you. That purpose and plan is found right here in Scripture. Let's display his wisdom. Let's display his glory. Let's do warfare in the spiritual realm. And let's see the kingdom of darkness begin to crumble. Let's see this virus begin to cease. Let's see racism come to an end. Let's see political persuasion begin to to crumble and fall. Let's see the church begin to rise up healthy and strong, going after things in the spirit realm. Come on, I believe that God is calling the church. I believe that in this moment, what's been taking place is God has allowed this this thing called COVID to, to literally, he didn't create it, he didn't cause it, but He's letting it, he's he's allowing it to come and begin to shake the church. So so all of a sudden, those that have built their built, built on the foundation that is the rock of the word, that they'll stand firm. And I believe there is a remnant church that's rising up that understands their purpose, that understands the power of God that that lives inside of them, that is tired of the bickering and tired of the fighting and and tired of the coming after one another and is being raised up in this very hour and in this very moment to bring damage to the kingdom of darkness, to say enough is enough, to find a place of prayer and of intercession and begin to go after it in the spirit realm, to, to begin to understand that worship is not a Sunday morning event, but worship is a life that I live that says, God, you are my whole focus. You are not a part of my focus. You are not a portion of my life. You hold everything. You are my whole life. To get to a place where where, where the church says, man, I'm, I'm, I'm living by the word and I can't change it and I can't manipulate it and I can't get it to try to be some culturally relevant thing so that, so that it means something different, but that accepts the word for what it is and says, I'm building my life on that. And as we pray and as we worship and as we build on the foundation of God's word, we begin to bring damage to the kingdom of darkness and all of the fruit of the kingdom of darkness begins to crumble and begins to fall. See, listen to me. Church, we were not called to go after the fruit. We're not called to go after the fleshly things that are produced through all of what's happening on the back end, which is spiritual. We are called to spiritual warfare and spiritual battle. So I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that you'd rise up, begin to do spiritual warfare in your household, spiritual warfare at your job place, spiritual warfare in, in your city. And begin to see an ultimate transformation in our culture. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is living. God, your word is active. God, your word is so sharp that it it, it literally comes and it touches us right where we need to be touched and corrects us right where we need to be corrected. And so, Lord, we ask today, Lord God, that this word, God, would permeate our hearts and our minds. And God, we would walk out uh, of this message today knowing that we are called to something greater, something bigger, something more powerful. And that we begin to do damage on our knees as we pray. We begin to do damage with our life as we live out a worship experience to you. And we begin to do damage to the kingdom of darkness. As we trust the word that you've given to us. With your eyes closed and you're in this moment with your head bowed and you're thinking about your life and you're thinking about this message. And you, you would say, you know what, I need to surrender to Jesus. 
I want to be a part of the family that doesn't bicker, that doesn't fight. I want to be a part of a family that understands who they are in Christ. I want to be a part of this family, this powerful movement called the church. And if that's you, here's all you need to do. The Bible says that we believe in our heart that Christ is who he said he is. We confess with our mouth. And that confession is unto salvation. So I want you to do me a favor. Close your eyes right now. I want you to say, Jesus, I love you. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you're the son of God. That you died on the cross for me. So Lord, I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior as I surrender all these things to you, as I surrender my life to you. mighty name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.